All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Film Fatales. Um, this is the podcast where we queen out iconic female performances, iconic actresses. That's our core belief. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Just> queen, <laughs> queening out. Um, last week, we talked about uh, Angela Bassett's 1993 performance. Pivotal, seminal performance from what's up got to do with it, right? Uh, playing the one and only Tina Turner. And this week, we're jumping two years forward to talk about the 1995 Waiting to Exhale. Do you have anything you want to... That was almost a perfect intro. That is almost? What's lacking? You didn't say who we are. Oh, I thought people already know. What if this is the first time they're listening? Okay. In case you're first time listening, my name is Jeff. I'm Chase. You have to say that. That's like seminal to the start of a podcast. You have to say your name. Well, I'm here and that's all that matters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So, yes. What are we talking about? Waiting to Exhale. Released in 1995. Listed as a romantic drama but also is it a comedy is it a comedy it, was this funny <laughs> no i don't it, find it funny it, at all was it trying to be i don't think it was it's just a romance film honestly you think it's a feel-good film like is it like a comfort no film, think? no i can totally see how like for some people this is like like a no you don't have to turn on your brain and just put it on and feel good kind of vibes i don't know like i'm like, from a modern view, I think the plot is kind of lacking, but I can totally see how the reception of it, like, in the 90s could could be very, very well received. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I can tell you what the reception was. <laughs> if you're go, interested. go for it. I have my fun facts. <laughs> go for it. Fun facts. It was a box office success, but it was not a critical success. Right. Like, 1995 is also like a huge year for film, from what I remember. Bitch, how old were you in 1995? What do you mean from what you remember? I I was born like I remember like growing up like um I associate my year that 1995 was my birth year, and I remember parents talking about Matrix, talking about Toy Story. 1995 was your birth year. That was my birth and year. And you're telling me that you remember your parents talking about movies no from- i when i was growing up because they they're huge movie people and they were always associating my year with uh, matrix Uh-oh. that's okay. how i kind I, of you know. <laughs> i was thinking you were saying you're like three months old and you no bitch. were listening to discourse about films no um bitch. yeah i have no fucking clue what came out in 1995 but i, I have some i have some matrix Oh my god, um, you came with fun facts today. 1995 top five grossing films. Um, the first one is Die Hard with the Vengeance. Okay, that's a big one. Oh, is that the second one? I don't, I'm not that's familiar with Die one. Hard. I think that's the second. This is sequel. Um, we're not talking about actors, we're talking about actresses. So the second would be Toy Story, which is the first computer animated film. Uh, the third one is Apollo 13. Okay, so it was a big year. And the fifth would be Pocahontas. Oh, no. Um, Anyways. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, <laughs> um, Pocahontas has a uh, an absolute killer soundtrack. I'm sorry, is that controversial? Am I gonna get um, no? I, I think you're not alone here. <laughs> the soundtrack is so good. Colors of the Wind. I'm sorry, it's so good. Anyways, it's very good. Um, what do you think this film kind of sits back then? Like, what do you? Well, think, it's like- not on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like in terms of like why was this made? I was thinking about like why are these films being made? Because I think it falls under like a particular genre of like bad bitches get together and do shit, you know? Well, it, uh, it, I don't. I'm not um, I'm as like well versed on um, movies surrounding like all black casts, but. I think Poetic Justice. When did Poetic Justice come out? Absolutely. Poetic Justice. I think it's around the same period. Cause, 1993. Um, so this this wow. movie reminded me, a lot of the editing choices reminded me um, a lot of Poetic Justice. And I mean, Marquis, my boyfriend gave me that point. So I, sh- I should <laughs> probably say that. <laughs> but I think, okay, go it's for like, it. It's like cuts in the movie don't always make sense like the pacing is very it feels like some scenes are super long and some scenes are super short and that i think was way more extreme in poetic justice but i i got a lot of that in this movie as well and i know that this was based on a book a novel from 1992 that sort of is trying to capture um sort of trying to capture like this decline in um black marriages okay like black women's search for marriage essentially and i there were lots of books have cited this movie since in like sort of talking about the decline of of quote-unquote traditional marriages in black communities so i think that that i think is essentially what this movie was trying to capture like all four of these women are literally just trying to get married mm-hmm yeah um which i think it's also again from like a modern view of my biggest gripe with it is right. obviously for post-feminist <laughs> to think about how like these characters they're defined by their marriages and defined by the relationship but i think at the end of the movie we see them recognizing the fact that they have each other and the friendships that they have which is such which is not a cheesy like ending but i think it's it's like the um, the message is strong throughout the, the film, which I think is fantastic. Um, well, yeah, let's just say like generally what the movie's about. It's about four friends who are at different places in their lives, but the one common thread is that they're all like like wanting a man that's it they're all wanting a committed relationship like the whole concept of waiting to exhale which whitney's character presents is like literally all of them are holding their breath until they find a man and when they find a loyal man they can breathe a sigh of relief which truly as i'm saying it out loud is ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) i think this movie like when i think of it's writing like the final tail end of you know like third wave feminism and like you know i think public culture was in its phase of exploring what it means and you see like a huge jump from like 1995 to 
like movies that are made two thousands. I think that was like a huge jump. I don't know like what historical ties to it with like American history in general, but this is not the podcast for it. <laughs> we're just <laughs> we're just putting out the dumb. But um, I think it's it's funny to look back into some of the similar films that are made in adjacent years. So, um. I'm just going through a list like Steel Magnolia. Have you watched 1989? Oh, yeah, I just watched that. I just when did I watch? I just watched that on a on um my flight to Toronto from Phoenix. Amazing. A couple weeks ago, um, um yeah. it was weird. It, I had a lot of the same gripes. I think about that as I did about this in the sense that it was like, like Julia Roberts' character just like annoyed me. I find it, it super endearing. You liked it? I don't love I, it. I feel like it's way more cohesive. Like when you or have, maybe I, like, like I think the treatment of that film, specifically like Steel Magnolia, like the four women, five women are in a specific locale. Like um, even though they're in the same block, I think that kind of ties in the whole theme more. Whereas I feel like the, um, I feel like Waiting to Exhale, within Phoenix itself, it's a little too cut apart, which I think going back to your point, like cuts away the, the dynamics between the cast. And also it just doesn't tie together really well. Do you see what I'm saying? So you hate black women. No, I don't. <laughs> you to like Steel Magnolias because it's about a bunch of honky tonk white women. Exactly. And um, I get your Dolly point. Dolly Parton is in it, in it too. So I get your point. I did like, <laughs> I did like Steel Magnolias more than this. Um, and I think if I break that down, it's because in both films are like core groups of women that are like ride or die for each other. Um, I feel like Steel Magnolias gave us a lot more of like relationship building and I could kind of like, there were a lot of more, there were a lot of moments where like I saw the friendships, um, like the nuances of the friendships and like little moments and then more dramatic moments. Whereas I feel this at the beginning, I don't think it did a great job of setting up that these women were like close, close friends. And then suddenly they were all hanging out and they were, and they're like close friends, which is great, whatever. But I felt like it was a little bit less believable because the relationships were not set up mm-hmm. for I me think, as a viewer. Yeah. I think the movie set out to make it so distinctive about each of them having their own relationship and that kind of, you know, right. limits how creative and how far the movie can go. Um, right. Before, like, I mean, also the same year, like 1993, just two years ago, Joy Luck Club. Um, not sure if you've heard of it. It's basically the same, but with four Asian women um, telling their each story, but in a much larger historical narrative about um, China and migration, diaspora, and family. I have heard of it. I have never seen it, but... Yeah, um, I think they're like these three films have different like kinds of creative treatment of how you know, in terms of telling female stories, and I think like just looking at similar years, I think it brings up bigger conversation of like you know um, how do you do how do you tell different stories about like domesticity, um, relationship, um, in a more engaging. I think like this film definitely could benefit from a more you know less faithful. Um, adaptation. I don't know. Um, I haven't read the the, the original, so um, yeah. But I do think jumping into more specific, like let's go back to like Angela Bassett's performance. Like, um, well, who is Angela I, Bassett's character? We need to establish that. Um, 
Angela Bassett, her she plays Bernadine Harris, which I love. Any <laughs> any female characters with three syllables will get me. <laughs> yeah. And the first shot of her, um, she was like, um, what was the first shot of her in the movie? Do you remember? In the beginning, I don't remember. She's in like in the mirror and like kind of putting makeup on, and she's looking back to her. Her partner and her partner is telling right. her that they're he's going to the gala, but not with her. And then she, she looks so stunning. She looks so gorgeous. Yeah. What do you think about her like presence? I feel like out of all the characters, she well, set up the most. You know. Success. I feel like we just need just like a quick sentence about who her character is. She's a woman. Sure who abandoned her job for her husband, and now her husband is leaving her for a white woman that he works with. That's it. That's it. Um, sad. Sad. Um, now, sorry, what were you saying about her presence? <laughs> what do you think about her, like, like her... I think she has the ability to continuously, you know, capitalize and maximize her on-screen presence which i don't find the same from other characters do you agree like what do you think i think that i actually think that all four women acting wise were solid i actually i've seen whitney in the bodyguard not for a long time but i was a little bit worried about her acting and at moments, maybe it wasn't perfect. But honestly, overall, I think she did a pretty good job. Um, I have full full faith in Loretta Devine. She's fabulous. And then I don't know who the last woman, who is the last woman. I don't know. But she was fine. Her character was maybe the most flat for me. Um, but Angela, I still think of all of them, was um, the best. And I think that it's just like speaks to like even when she's um in that first scene where she's being told that he wants a divorce or he's he's with another woman um even in the moments where she's not speaking like you say i guess that's a presence but like the way that she acts without saying a word i think is something that just puts her ahead of the pack i mean she is a i mean she definitely has the ability, like jumping off from the conversation we had last week, I think she definitely knows like how to work with the camera the way that I, I don't think the others do. Maybe maybe it's just the fact that we have like a magnifying glass on her, but um, it's every time she's on screen, I, I feel, I find myself like wanting more. Um, yeah. Like, I think the film... Wait, every just, time Angela... Wait, wait, wait. Can we just establish what you mean by that? Like, do you... Are you saying you find yourself wanting more because it's, like, so good or you're wanting more because it's lacking? I think the film reads more like a, a, a series of TikToks, you know, just, you know, before something significant happens on screen, I feel like the film just kind of lets let go and doesn't really follow through some of the... The places that can potentially build off tension and dynamic. Do you think that's Angela, or do you think that's just the movie? I think it's just the movie, but I think she did what she could, um, given you know 
the the short scenes that she's accumulatively in the movie. Um, yeah, I, like I mean, she looks stunning. There was a moment. There was a moment where so I really enjoy, I really love an angry Angela Bassett. That's really something that gets me going. And um, um, there was a moment I loved when she's like raging and and throwing all this shit out of the closet. And the absolute like cuntiest moment was when she lights the car on fire and like she's just smoking a cigarette behind the flames. Incredible, absolutely incredible. However. Some of the dialogue, I took a note of this. Some of the dialogue when she's like throwing his shit out of the closet, I, and this is not on Angela Bassett, but was so on the nose. It was like so specific and like detailed in ways that was like not realistic. And I wish I wrote down exactly what it was, but it was like just like weird little details about about their marriage and about him leaving her for white. I don't know. The dialogue was a little bit off, I think. Which she's talking never. to herself. She's talking to herself, so I don't know. But. Yeah. Well, it looks like you've never been cheated on, so that's good. Have you? <laughs> no, I would never realize that. That's why I love these things. That's why you I never love, like, you, Wait, you would never realize that you're being cheated on? No, if I would realize I was being cheated on, I would I would probably do the same thing, like, other than the fact that there's nothing to, to burn, because I... <laughs> Yeah, but like she's like in the closet. She's in the closet and she's raging and she's like going through shit in their marriage she didn't like and she's being so specific. She's like, on fucking January twentieth, nineteen ninety two, you didn't do this. Like it was like so specific. Just didn't make sense. Or maybe that's. Or maybe that. I don't know if you've been cheated on. Maybe that's what you do. (laughs) But if you can look that stunning while you do it, then sure <laughs> oh my god I, i'm so sorry i was really sad when she chopped her hair off i it's not in my place to say it but i think the hair moment was a little <laughs> a little on the nose too but i again it's not my place to say it <laughs> um which i think in also in what's up got to do with it hair was like a huge part of the film too we didn't get the chance to cover um yeah, hair is like the place um, where the four characters meet. Um, right. It's like where they kind of organize their their you know chit chat and kind of um, kind of kind of telling the audience what is going on. It's like part of the important setups for for the film. Um, right. Yeah, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. Because okay, Angela's Angela's situation is she's being left. Whitney's character Savannah is moving to Phoenix because she was with a married man who wouldn't leave his wife for her. Oh my God. Can I just say, I was getting so incredibly frustrated. Like why is every single man in this film married and stepping out on his wife? And why is every single one of these women just completely chill with being the other woman? Even Angela, sorry, Angela was actually just left like by a cheating husband, and then she's at that bar in that scene. And I know they didn't do anything physical, but they like laid in bed together. It was weird, right? He was, it was married. Like, it was all before, you know, like, like, quote unquote, healthy masculinity. What it looks. His like. wife had cancer. <laughs> His wife had cancer, and he spent the night laying in bed holding Angela Bassett. It's kind of fucked. Yeah. Um. And it's like, it's such a, like, it's such a, it's never, 
really addressed. It's like addressed when it affects these women that these men are married, but it's never addressed that like they're they are they are actively mistresses. Right. Um, do you think that it humanizes their characters? Like, do you think it makes them less likable in any kind of way? Yes, it makes them less likable. <laughs> it makes them totally less likable. I stand for woman rights and woman wrongs. <laughs> I am a feminist like that. <laughs> I think, like, we, as modern viewers, we look at it in different lens, obviously. Like, we, we, I find myself, like, not rooting for anybody and to be honest i was kind of like adrift when i was like in the middle of watching this movie and i was like like what exactly am i supposed to do as the audience like i feel like i'm just looking through a window as like these i'm being presented all these like windows of you know relationship and not being taken into what is actually going to happen um it's it it does not make a really immersive experience for me in the way that a lot of like similar movies like Steel Magnolia and also like Twilight Club can achieve. Um, yeah, it kind of goes back to the very like the big conversation about the movie in itself. Um, but like all, out of everything, I think going back to the really earlier point about like how I think Angela Bassett really distinguished herself like as like the star of that film in the way that um, a lot of these other characters can really amount to. I mean, we're, we're slowly getting to see more of Angela as an actress, I think. Like, the way that she's able to command physically a presence and also just making the best out of the material that she she can. Um, uh, right. Yeah. I think that's fair. I... Yeah. I think that's fair. I don't know if there will be a moment where, like, I I don't like what I see with Angela. I think making the best out of the material is probably the best way to put it, because I do think some of this material was lacking, but I never thought that her performance was anything less than strong. I actually do think, I read a review that said the acting was uneven, I actually, I, I think that the acting from all four of the main cast was, was solid. I really do. I think, yeah, I, I think, had no qualms about the acting. I think I had qualms about the writing, the directing, the, the everything else. <laughs> <laughs> but the acting, I was fine. Yeah. I think the movie would, if I were to put a really creative spin on it, it would be if it could be just one main relationship, for example, like Angela Bass's relationship, but then the other three friends were like supporting cast, kind of like scheming around. It almost like- felt like it almost felt like the the OG, or maybe not the OG. I don't know what came before this, but it almost felt like like one of the OG like anthology rom com movies of the mid two thousands that kind of took over. Like, um, what were they called? Well, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like anthologies? They're, I think they're just called anthologies. No, it, no, bitch. Like a, a specific <laughs> title of the movies, like an anthology rom com. Like, um, like he's just not that into you. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. 
Yeah, I got it. Or what's got another it. example? There's like so many, and I can't think of any. I'm not a rom-com person. So. Fucking New Year's Eve with Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, those. Um, uh, what is that called? Um, uh, like for Hugh Grant and like those, like all these fucking British actors. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm totally blanking, but. It's like a romantic comedy that like jumps between characters and characters sort of interact with each other and like, but they also have like their own full stories going on at, at the same time and you jump between them and it feels a little choppy. It was a big thing. It was a big thing. Um, this almost felt like that in a way, especially because, and I took a note of this, it took like 40 minutes for all four of them to be together in one scene. Like why? How does that make sense? If we're supposed to be really focused and and believing the connection of these four women, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a horrible yeah. choice. It's just a horrible choice. Like, yeah, I'm 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 actually surprised. What did we talk about? I'm actually surprised people like this. <laughs> Am I supposed? Well, I feel I feel like I'm being so to me that I have to like it because it's so nondescript and so like everybody wins at the end. The, the fact oh that my I'm... god no they don't <laughs> let's talk about the end they do not win at the end okay whitney's character just all that happens is she ends up finally dumping the married man that she literally moved to phoenix to escape from at the beginning okay B- big fat waste of time her entire narrative in the story angela's character has a happy ending because she gets the divorce settlement and then she can be with the husband once his wife dies so that's great for you know her what, you know you know what would be sickening if angela and whitney got together if, <laughs> but whitney would would whitney's team or whatever pr would fucking block that plot line asap because <laughs> it's too close it hits too close home <laughs> like if i were to rewrite it it would make so much sense like the two women finally recognize that they're really good for each other and they just end up falling in love i think that makes a lot of sense for me in my in my mind right but then (laughs) i mean gloria has a fine ending her baby daddy is gay her son i laughed so hard when her son said my daddy's a (laughs) faggot and he's getting his dick sucked by a white girl oh my god okay Um, i need to say this loretta defined described his sons as like you're a 17 old cock or something. You're 17 year old dick or something. Yeah. Which I find really. super funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there actually were moments in this movie that were funny. I'm just not sure if they were supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and then the last woman, Robin, all that, her ending, she ends up pregnant, pregnant by the man she is the mistress of. He's married. And then she dumps him and is going to raise this baby alone. That's a horrible ending for her. I'm just really confused as to like how am I supposed to feel? Like if like all the final choices they don't feel very justified. And um, especially actually, that one. <laughs> there's actually no through line as to like why are these women going through these decisions? Um <laughs> it's just like a fucking AI generated, like like you know, like what is the ending for this person? I, I feel like, especially Robin. She and then at the end, she's like, she's like so proud of herself. She's like, yep, like I did that. I did that, <laughs> girls. I really did that. Like, did what? You got knocked up, and you're gonna raise this baby alone? Your baby daddy's married? 
It's a horrible in ending. I feel terrible. I feel like this movie, most of this movie was me holding my breath and I am still waiting to exhale. <laughs> Go off. Go off. I, I, I need, Do you know, they were going to do a sequel. Here's another fun fact. They were going to do a sequel <laughs> in um, uh, 2011 or 2012 and then um, Whitney Houston died. So that got canceled. Thank God. Not that Whitney died, but... Whoa! Wow! <laughs> uh, waiting wow. to exhale. More like waiting the film to be finished. I'm sorry. I'm just... I don't feel like it. And I, I feel like I should... Be more no, you should about, be like, truthful. You should, should speak your truth. No, I just, I just feel it's so wasted. Like you know, it would be so much better if it's a whole movie about Angela Bassett and uh, Whitney Houston's queer awakening. Like that would. Okay, Jap, you're just off. you're just writing an entirely different <laughs> film. Like you can't cr- you can't sit down and you can't sit down and watch a movie about something and say you know what would have been sickening if they just did something absolutely completely different. I know, but a girl can dream and a girl can exhale. <laughs> I think that it could have been sickening if it was like not as extreme as you, but like if it was more so solely focused on Angela and Whitney and what their characters were going to, I don't know if, I don't think it gave, or if it really worked on building the relationship of the four women with each other. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, I think that probably is the most realistic and, and simple fix for this movie. But I did not, despite what it may sound like, I didn't hate this movie. It truly was like one of those films that you can just put on, which yeah. is maybe not a compliment, but you can just put it on in the background while I while I clean my apartment. Like, yes. But. Do you think are there any like specific things about Angela Bassett's performance that distinguish or or kind of different from what stuff to go with what stuff got to do with it? Hmm. In terms of like range, in terms of like um, physicality, in terms of you know growth as an actor given the jump of two years there isn't quite a lot of difference i think but i i can definitely feel a little more like desire and more you know given the role of in this film there's more like 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 outburst of, of her just like i think what it is for me is i think in this film you can see more clearly that like she is like originating this character and there's more for her to like explore and play with like like obviously in what's love got to do with it she's trying to be tina turner and that comes with its own set of expectations and um just performance um aspects of her performance that she sort of has to follow whereas with this she kind of it's based on a book but who cares she can kind of take um the character of bernadine is that her name bernadine yeah wherever wherever she really wants. And I think that maybe a couple times she gets a little carried away. Like the time I said in the closet and also the most dramatic when she goes into that boardroom and slaps that white bitch, that was the most dramatic slap, which was kind of sickening. But I think that you can just see that Angela had more. And she's right-handed. More room to play with this character. He needs to be right-handed so the the camera captures it, the slap right arm, perfectly. <laughs> That's the getaway. From the- <laughs> um, how was Phoenix? Like, were you like? Do you feel like it is? It captures the um, the essence of Phoenix, knowing that you've you've been there recently. Uh, no, listen, I've been going to Phoenix pretty consistently for the last ten years. At 
honestly, it was cool to see a movie set in Phoenix. I don't know if I ever have. And um, why were these bitches wearing jackets and scarves? <laughs> they need to serve looks. I was sweating just watching them. It's like a chilly, like not as cold as LA. I don't know California weather, but you know, just you know, it's desert. It's desert weather. Phoenix is not chilly. I mean, okay, to be fair, it could have been like the winter where it's you know twenty degrees instead of thirty five degrees Celsius. Like it's Christmas. It's the last year of the last day of the year. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's At night time in Phoenix. In the winter, it gets cold, but in the daytime, it's still not. It's still warm. You're not walking around with a scarf. Yeah, I will. I will categorize this movie as like movies about Phoenix, like also movies about. Is it the only bitch. one in that category? <laughs> I'm gonna slowly like categorize like movies by cities, and I think that's like very interesting way to like look at certain genres. <laughs> right. There's so much like like movies about you know. Like looking back at Steel Magnolia, it's like the rural South, like, you know, about that's an interesting way to like talk about femininity and like feminism in these places. And also like coastal cities, like Frances Ha, like, you know, moving from California to New York is a way to like find herself, you know, like how do these cities kind of tell a bigger story? But um, I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> right. My favorite, you don't watch The Housewives. Uh, did you even catch the real Housewife cameo in this? No, I don't. And Kenya Moore, do you know who Kenya Moore is? That's Kenya. Kenya Moore has a cameo in this. She's Denise. I knew something was going on. And I, iconic because on Real Housewives of Atlanta, she mentions this cameo every chance she gets. <laughs> which good for her i would too if i was in a movie with whitney houston if i was in a scene with whitney houston i'd mention it every day of my life so absolutely and she says that she's a movie star every time even though she's just acted in one movie right <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's pretty much all my notes about the film do you have anything else i don't really have a lot to say other than the fact like you hated it I hate it, but that's a given. I, I, I go into movies hating it and, and I'll find redemptive moments and I'll going out of the movie just like completely blown away. <laughs> so this is kind of like an all right movie, um, I think. Where's the redemptive moment? There's no redemptive moments. <laughs> <laughs> there are moments that I really live for, like Angela Bassett in, in the white bathrobe just sit like like smoking a cigarette and like she's playing her face perfectly to the camera, but that's just, you know, a moment, right? Like, and I count for those and I, I'm, I'm happy for, for to have experienced it at least. Oh my God. Also, can I just say the soundtrack to this film is incredible. Absolutely. Incredible. Absolutely. It's such an, just like as a standalone thing, so successful, like exhale, by Whitney and um, Why Is It Hurt So Bad by Whitney are like some of her most iconic songs. TLC, um, Waterfalls. Um, there's also a bunch of like recognizable 90s R&B songs, you know. Yeah, um, Sitting Up In My Room by Brandy. Oh, amazing. Um, Love that song. So incredible. So if anything, the soundtrack is great. Check out the soundtrack and um, watch the clips. It's basically a clip clip show. The movie is a TikTok slash clip show. 
<laughs> um, but that's pretty much about it. Um, do you want to tell people what we're watching next? You know what I thought? You can tell me. I'm just going to pitch this idea to you live sure. on the show. Should we tell people, maybe this is a little niche, should we tell people at the end of talking about these films what we rated it on Letterboxd? <laughs> yes, I'll go ahead. I rated it a three, three and a half star. Which no, is you gave generous. it a three, bitch. You gave it a three. Oh, did I give it a three? Yeah, I think three is fine. Three out of five. I also gave it a three out of five. But I think I feel like the way you speak about it, you should give it a two and a half. Like, <laughs> no, I can never. I think three is a solid movie, and two and a half it's a bad movie. Two and a half is still a passing grade. It's a fifty percent. Or a movie that they spend millions of dollars making. But I also understand I'm just watching it from like I'm like a modern viewer, but you know, like three three star movies like our movie set i'll probably not gonna watch it again but i'm not mad about it that doesn't mean that i like it so that's kind of how i see it that's fair i gave it a three as well and i stand by that i stand stand by by that um okay so next week um i forget what we're watching (laughs) we're watching 1995 sci-fi horror thriller dramatic extravaganza it's called strange days okay and i'm excited to sort of look at a film that was the same year as this one and maybe that'll be interesting to sort of compare angela's performances i think you are in for a good ride i'm so excited to talk about and just queen out about this film um the reception of it, the performance of it, um, the themes, it's so rich. And I think. Don't we'll overhype it before I watch I'll, it. I'll not overhype I'm it. I'll, I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. So if anybody listening, um, feel free to let us know your thoughts about Waiting to Exhale and also tag along to watch the next movie together as we are going to, we're going to come back and talk about it. And leave um, us a review and follow our show don't leave if us a watch. three star review leave us a no <laughs> a five star a five star review all right well all right goodbye everyone it's been so fun talking to you goodbye <laughs> i guess angela bassett did the thing angela bassett did the thing angela bassett did the thing angela bassett did the thing